Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Royal Blame Public Radio, and this is uh, episode 37, Set but, the d- Pace. Dude, I, I did not hear the announcer voice. Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Royal Blame Public Radio. Much better. Yeah. You suck. Yeah, I was uh, distracted. Distracted by your, 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 your ugly, ugly face. Yeah, take that back. Well, this is luckily radio, so they're yeah. going to have to take your word for it. Podcasting, internet radio, or else, well, not even streaming, it's down there. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should get out of semantics get to onto the show it's been a while we've uh been doing stuff doing things yeah um, you know the things that we do yeah i went to dragon con uh which was yeah, awesome. good for you it was a forty thousand person costume party more or less very of course you've already seen some of the photos on our website that i took of some of the crazy... they don't do they don't do it justice to the sheer scope of it does no they? no it is insane and i was running games at midnight every night we're playing in games at midnight, so I couldn't go out and see all the crazy parties, which I heard were even crazier. So, next year. Next year. <laughs> Nerds, co- costumes, and drinking. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Nerds yeah. gone wild. Um, and girls dressed up you as know, Power Girl. I really kind of think we should, pretty well, we should actually. film that. Nerds yeah. gone wild. Um, People would pay to see that spectacle. They would. They would. And then the lawsuits would happen. Yes. Anyways, we have a bit of bad news. Well, sort of not bad. Uh, Goblin Hulk. Uh, it's a project I've been working on for quite some time. Uh, it's going to be delayed. It's not going to be out today or uh, September 20th, obviously. Uh, I'm going to. I'm working on trying to get it out as quickly as possible. Um, hopefully before the end of the month. Uh, hopefully within a week. Uh, but we'll see. We're, but I'm not going to sacrifice quality to just shove it out the door. And we are getting a lot more art uh from ian moody and a bunch of other artists josh hunter and all kinds of great art so uh uh in fact uh, i will link on later into this uh to the cover preview so you can get a look of uh, what the goblin hulk looks like in the daylight hell yeah yeah big ass dragon skeleton on the side of it and all kinds of crazy stuff it's uh it's pretty awesome so uh all those uh you donated uh for the ransom model you will not be disappointed this will be a quality product we've we, got we over believe, ten thousand words we believe so in quality over expediency yes exactly um i mean think about uh video games it's out it's done when it's done so uh yeah Anyway. And well, we've seen what happens when video games are rushed out the door. Exactly. Now, another thing is uh, there will be an actual play feed only. So uh, we will separate the episodes with the actual plays. So, so this I, is finally coming to pass. Yes. And um, I figured out how to do it, or at least set up a separate. Uh, it'll be actualplay.roleplayingpublicradio.com. And, and uh, uh, I cannot bitch about that. how long this has taken since Ross here does primarily all the work on that yeah so. all the web work so uh, so uh, i'm just gonna say good job ross and we'll do new episode uh, actual play episode every week and uh, i will set up a ransom uh for measly 200 dollars to help get that uh, up and running so uh help fi- if you all you actual play fanatics out there uh <coughs> excuse me sorry about that uh we're gonna keep recording because this is live and raw and you're, you're getting it live yeah that's that's how i i i, I just don't want to re-record this tom is that okay Ross, I, I understand. I did sneeze away from the mic. You did do that, and away from me, too. Yeah, so but I'm I, a great I, I person. Saw, the way the light hit it, debris was coming out of your mouth on that. <laughs> it was just spit, Tom. I didn't... Yeah, I know, it but wasn't it, was, it was visible spit. Well, because of the light, It Tom. was gorgeous. <laughs> I wish this was truly TV and not radio, so you listeners could have truly enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, it could have been in slow-mo, but... Bleh. <laughs> 
So uh, anyway, uh, there will be a minor ransom for that to get it out earlier, uh, quicker, and uh, you will be very uh, happy to find out. I'm not going to spoil what the first, you know, the inaugural uh, actual play will be, but I'm sure uh, all of you will be looking forward to that, so hint, hint. Um, And then finally, we are uh, planning to set up a community actual play site, so this can be the internet uh, central station for all community, uh, for actual play recording. So I know a bunch of people on our forums, the RPPR forums have been wanting to, uh, record their own for, uh, games and get them out there. So, uh, it's not all just about us. Exactly. It's about the fans. It's about you, the listener, you, you rock. You guys are, you're the reason you're the reason we have, you're better than other people because you listen to us. I mean, because you're, because you're awesome. Yeah. You're in the cool kids club. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) We uh, as soon as I can, none, none of that came out properly. No, no, I'm I, no idea. Um, the as soon as I can figure out how to set up a community site where people can upload their actual play files and have them rated by other members of the community, so and then sorted, so you can be like, oh, I want to get a D twenty game, or I want to get this, or I want to get whatever, and this is these are the top ten games that have been rated by you, the fan. Um, the sheer awesomeness is going to blow your yeah. balls off. So if you have any you. Uh, uh, experience on actual play recordings, uh, or not actual play, on content management systems, CMS, uh, backends that could handle that kind of task, you know, large 100 meg MP3s, upload, uh, rating, download, uh, sorting, tagging, filtering. RPPR wants you. Yeah, we. I'd love to hear from you because I WordPress is about the limit of my technical abilities. And uh, and let me tell you, and his abilities are light years beyond mine. So uh, yeah, so I most I I make fart jokes and swear. <laughs> um, that's uh, well, we all do that, Tom. It, but that but I do it professionally. Okay, you specialize. I specialize. That's your niche. Yeah. My niche is everything else. Well, I mean I could I'm sure if you wanted I could help you with other things, but Yeah, but you you're you're too you're too lazy. You, you want to do the fine jokes. We're both lazy, Ross. Uh that's true. Well, I'm just efficient. I prefer to think of myself as efficient. You just called yourself lazy in this episode. I I I know, but I was being efficient. Lazy. That's as, as good as a confession. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Long All right. Man. So, um I think that covers the community news, the RPPR news. So, uh, uh, yeah. How about we commence with the meat and potatoes of the episode? Yes. Set the pace. Now, what could this be about, Tom? Well, set the pace. Hmm. I'm going to go with setting the pace. Yes. The pace of the game, in particular. Pacing, I think, is a underappreciated element in role-playing games. Uh, I think very, very few game masters, storytellers, dungeon masters, whatever you want to call them, keepers, and call it Cthulhu. Pilots. The dude running the shit. Yeah. The guy behind the screen, if you have a screen. Um, they Very, very few of them realize the importance of pacing, which... In every other form of storytelling, linear storytelling, non-interactive story, well, even computer games, pacing is a vital, vital, vital element. And every single GM I have ever experienced, myself included, have messed up on the pacing at least once. Yeah. Um, I just want to preface this whole thing with a, something I've learned from my screenwriting. A pithy and, observation, Ross Yes. Um, in screenwriting, I think the, 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 the rule of thumb is... To start 
or late and leave early. And what start that, late, leave. That early. doesn't mean you have to start at midnight. I mean, that's not the actual time you start the game. That means you start the scene as late as possible, as late as you possibly can. Um, for example, in a game where it's a murder mystery, you start the game when the players find the dead body. You know, that's when the game starts. Mm -hmm. When the players are presented with difficult, with various challenges and options. You don't start the game with a half hour, non-interactive cutscene, basically. Where they're like, okay, here you are, this is your job, blah, 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 blah. Unless you're Scott Glancy, then you can do that because you have all kinds and of... Everyone, and everyone is like wrapped attention at Yeah, because that's, that, he can get away with it, you can't, you know. No, you're not him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um... And woe to anyone who believes they are. No, I don't want to spoil it. Well, I do want to use you as an example, Tom. No, I, I think that's a very good thing to do. Right um, now. Tom is running a Mutants and Masterminds game set in the future. Um, future. Future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't okay. think I should say. Basically, yeah. Um, we're on a, a base on Triton, Neptune's moon. We we find this room that's uh, full of all this stuff. These artifacts from World War II that some superhero had left two hundred years earlier. And uh, the thing, and then we get exposed to this stuff that turns us into superhumans. Now, the thing is, he starts this about what, like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes before we actually get to the room and we're exposed. Yeah. I mean, like, okay. Well, I, I started as soon as the, the lockdown happened. Right, right. So you're at lockdown, so, we go down, we find that, you know, get in our jobs, we start doing them. We're like, oh, okay. We start poking around at the boxes. And you see, what I would have done in that case is. Fast forward through all of that and start right after everyone is exposed to it. Because the problem is not only because it takes a while and it's kind of not really fun, you're, you're kind of treading the thing where, like, what if the players jump off the rails before they get to the real first scene of the game? Mm -hmm. I mean, really, the first, I mean, well, you would agree with me, Tom, that the first scene in this game was, oh shit, we got, what the hell just happened to me? Oh my god, I can do crazy things with my mind. Or, yeah. Um, that would be that, that's the start. Yes. Um, so, but what if some player decided, no, I'm going to go to my room and hide, or I'm not going to touch anything, you know, then the game kind of, you know, lurches to a halt as somebody just pulled the emergency brakes. Like, I don't want a game. I don't want a, you know, social contract. I'm going to put in a different CD and play a different game. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be a dick, in other words. So... That's what I mean by starting late. You start late as possible. Like, you know, as late as you possibly can in the chronology of the game and still have the players actually do something. So you wouldn't want to say start so late that, like, they're already fighting the the bad guy. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're round Oh, five. Darth Vader's after you right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, whoa, whoa. Um, so, yeah, now by leave early... That means you end a scene as soon as you possibly can, so you can get to the next scene. Now, the main thing is each scene has a beginning, middle, and end. You want that juicy middle as much as possible, the, where the characters make difficult choices, where they have all kinds of options, and that, that kind of the meat of the scene. You want to get as much meat as possible, as much as good, gooey juice, story juice. <laughs> story, story juices? Story organs? Story sweetmeats? Yeah. Um I'm I'm just I'm in, I'm thoroughly entertained just listening to you talk, Ross. <laughs> um, so you uh, um, leave as soon as you possibly can. For example, on a combat, you leave whenever the players. It's obvious that it's over. Yeah, like if there's like in D and D fourth ed, if there's like if the artillery and the controllers are all dead, and there's like one brute who has more hit points but can't do shit for damage, and you're like, 
You know yeah. what? He fucking dies. Or he surrenders. Yeah, he surrenders, he dies, he runs away. Um, I remember in the fourth head, like the New World game, of course, some of the players like, all right, it's just down to the Medusa who can't do shit. Okay, she runs away, and the player's like, no, we must get her. But, you know, that... that... Well, we're bloodthirsty PCs. That's true, you are. But, no, uh, no, they are. Yeah. yeah. No, let's be honest. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's my basic guide is to start the game start every scene every encounter every challenge as late as possible and end it as soon as possible to get to the next one you want to because overall i think games are too slow i think 90 i would say you know just make i'd say i go 95 percent of all pacing problems are slowness well i of all i think well i was talking about all games in general i think most games are too slow I think at, at role playing games, almost all the games I've played, uh, in as a player, they've been too slow for my liking. So I prefer more shit happen, more stuff happens, more of the juicy story, sweet meats. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that go. I don't. I don't know why. It's probably You're, the worst possible. Uh, just start saying it like Blobber Smith, like yes, the meat is delicious. Yes, or Hannibal Lecter, yes, the yes. sweet meats, yes. Because um, that's where I got it from. Was red dragon so sweet meats sweet breads sweet breads oh see i can't even remember right sweet breads hey if it's hannibal lecter i remember <laughs> okay. trust me I, I consider myself somewhat of an expert on the cinematic hannibal lecter not the book so much oh Though i have read them all okay um so i don't know what about you tom i mean i i've been you know yeah well drawn too much as it is i uh i agree it's really i think pacing also depends on the group you have yeah the speed at which you run games largely depends on what your players want Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, the manic, you know, the manic, bloodthirsty PCs that, you know, are just, you know, bundles of energy that must do shit, then yes, you've got to keep the game moving quickly. If you've got some more analytical PCs, the game, the pace will always be slower. Right. As, you know, if you got players, they like conversations, long investigations, which I primarily, that's what I primarily run for in my three-man group right but you want to get to those types of things as soon as possible you don't want yeah. to do like the 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 stuff where they can't really do anything like i generally i try to keep the exposition well not to, even the exposition i know, but, I know the cut scenes the, well not even the cutscenes. the, the legwork like in uh, uh investigation mystery games obviously the you know doing background checks on everybody looking up figuring out what the clues are or you know the the, the simple skill checks the um the, the, or in D and D games where it's like going down this corner. Well, and the, okay, what this in case is. of that, like you, know, you could look, to, you could look to like Law and Order episodes, right? The background checks. They always go into the scene right when, like, like okay, here, like I just got her file. You know, like they don't show the arduous work that goes into it. Right. Yeah. It shows the interesting stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the thing is in movies, television. Hell, everything. Every form of storytelling. Pacing is of the utmost importance. Utmost importance, you know. The four-act structure of an hour-long TV drama. The three-act structure of a movie. Um, You know, is this too slow? Is this too fast? You have to hook them by the first five minutes. You have to hook them by the first ten seconds if it's a web video. video. Blah, 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 blah. Anyways, but in role-playing games, it's like, oh? I mean, I, I almost never see any advice in the actual games about pacing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I does it, or I mean, no, am I, I, wrong? I, I get and I get you. And the thing is, a lot you know, a lot of GMs that a lot of GMs don't even think about it. Yeah, they've they've got their grand plan, they've got everything set, and like they're and they're you know they're gonna do it, and they 
a lot of them actually are kind of like some are kind of egomaniacs they just think everything they do is art yeah no and it's also i mean think about this when they're, when you're writing a television show or a movie or a novel or a comic book you think you have this this much space or time to tell a story you have 24 pages of a comic book you have 43 minutes for a tv show you have 90 minutes for a movie or two hours for a movie blah 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 and that's it so you have to you have you you can't go any further but with an rpg i don't know of almost you know like there's very little guidelines and like okay i have four hours what can i do in four hours you know what i mean i mean especially that, you don't know where you yeah. don't know where large like where it's gonna go yeah, or five hours, or three because hours, or whatever. For most else. An RPG, you don't have a script that goes that has everything laid out, beginning, middle, and end. Well, or published scenarios. No, published scenarios, but you never know how long each is going to be. Right. You know that you know that really big. Some detail, go long. Some the go really long. big detailed opening, they might just breeze through it in ten minutes. Right. Or you or, might choose to, yeah. Or like, a, or a very brief scene involved. You know, very brief scene stretches out into two and a half hours. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of have to keep this in mind. I mean, you have to bring it up to the forefront because uh, uh, these are these are very important considerations. I mean, obviously you have to be flexible. I mean, because um, again, some the, they'll go long or they'll go short. It's like a live play, live theater almost. So, um, I you know I've been thinking about this because of the convention games I've been running. I ran like a dozen games between Gen Con and uh dragon con over a dozen games and each one you know you have a four hour time slot there and that's it <laughs> yeah well that's it so you have to get it done by then and even then like uh, to be honest like some of those games some of those con games i was like you know what i want to get done before four hours because i'm tired or i yeah. want to i want to eat or I, I gotta you know go do something i have a long walk to my next one well you know something like that so i kind of thought about what kind of bullshit was there that didn't really help that didn't really add anything to the game um and again it's like this legwork like in the, like you mentioned in law and order it's like in real life obviously it would take them weeks to figure out that the body decomposed like this and the, the came from this caliber but, blah, blah, like blah, you, blah. Like you don't just suddenly get a call that hey the coroner's done with the uh, autopsy yeah or like the, within 24 hours of the body being found you know i mean that 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 probably doesn't happen too much um but you you kind of so that so overall I don't know talk about some of the games what are some of the things that you've encountered uh, I think largely I like to more focus I mean I could talk to death on stuff other people have done right but I think actually the last two sessions I've run have demonstrated a lot of things that I've done wrong okay we've already mentioned the intro yeah you... the intro there's that then there's the scene where you were uh, all in quarantine yeah this was after the exposure and I only had I only had about two or three things that really the player should have their draw their attention right. to. Right. There were there were three other NPCs that we knew that were like manifesting weird powers. Manifesting weird powers. And so we uh, uh, so we we interacted with each one. One of them, you know, Max, you know, Gerhardt, uh, was obviously not kind of like we poked him but he didn't really say anything. So we spent a little some time with the uh, the acid man and the beast mm -hmm. and you know, we, we kinda but after that it's like oh, what else are we gonna do? I mean, you know, and it's it was, a sci fi base and we, we kind of like, Oh, we're gonna keep tabs on people, we're gonna do this and but you know, it's like eh. You know, you didn't really give us much to work with, I think. So I mean you gave some of it and it wasn't too long, but yeah. Um, it wasn't excruciatingly long. No, 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 no. But 
I mean, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Like, every element in a game that the players can interact with, NPCs, fights, traps, objects, uh, challenges, like researching something, you have to say, okay, the players are going to have this much time to allocate it for it, like, to basically experience it, you know. Um, you know, to fight this fight, to figure out this puzzle, to talk to this NPC. But after that, that's that's it. And there's kind of a range of powers, like like too little, like a, you know, minimal amount of time necessary to uh, interact with it, and then maximum amount of time that you could interact with it, and then kind of a happy medium, you know. Mm-hmm. And almost all games kind of lean go a little too long, I think. So at least in my experiences, and there will be those games. I'm sorry, going a little off top. Or games that like where the game master just lets things sit there. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. the things where like the game master is like, all right, what do you do? All right, I do this. Okay, and that's that. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or yeah, I'm saying you know what I mean too much. Um, I have verbal manifestations. Uh, tips. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, so I think. When you're running a game, you need to be planning this out, sort of thinking consciously. It's almost better to have too many th- elements than too little elements. So Whether or not you use them all is irrelevant. Right, right. But every time the players seem to have absorbed one element, throw another one at them. you know, And throw a few more than they can handle. Because I think it's better for the players to be a little overstimulated than not stimulated enough. Yeah. So... I mean, uh, you, you you said you there were earlier that there were like uh, before we start recording that there was only like a few games where you where they were too fast. Right. I think in my in my in twenty two years of gaming, I think I can remember two games total where it was just too fast. And and once again, it was like in heavy railroading type stuff. Yeah. But I think it's it's like the GM got bored with it. Yeah. But we, the players, were not bored with it. We this was cool, but no, no, we got to move on. Like, well, 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 wait, wait, we want to check this out. Like, there, no, no. Right. You're flatly being told, oh, here's a bunch of stuff. And now, moving on, moving yeah, on. Yeah. Like, you know, there's and he he gave these really great descriptions for, I and honestly, I honestly forget the de- actual details, but like really great descriptions of this horrible like temple of evil and all these. And you know, just think, you know, you know, objects and you know, unholy symbols, and we want to check them out. Like, oh, but we, you know, but you, you move on. Like, wait, 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 no, no, we don't. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that that's kind of a rarity. I think uh, it's extremely rare. Yeah, I think it's almost always the other way around, where the player is like, all right, we do this. And most of the times, I've done it. Yeah, I will. You know, well, this... what about games that you played in that were too slow paced? I mean, I've, I. A lot. Well, well, oh well. Okay. Well, there's give us an example, Thomas. Well, there's the Star Wars game that I was a part of. I think I've mentioned this before. It was, it was, you know, entire. It was totally scripted. And but she, you know, but the GM took the time to describe everything verbatim, as well as some stuff that really didn't need to be, or like she described stuff that was pointless. You know that we weren't actually supposed to interact with. But there was so much description of it, we just assumed, well, that must be important. And it wasn't. But we interact with, you know, we make a bunch of skill checks. You know, we, you know, we, we you know, do group talk. All right, no. And it turns out it was for nothing. And that happened a lot. You know, I think 
one of the things you're still bringing up is that there's very little, often very poor communication between the game master and the players. I think the game master doesn't give the players nearly enough information. And, you know, like when I'm running games, I tell you, give you guys all your, I list your options over and over again, you know, multiple times. And I say, you know, of course you can do something else. And I, I provide suggestions, hints, but I don't force you to do anything. I don't know. You, you tell yeah, me. No, you're, you're right. It's like with your, uh, the new world campaign. Yeah. You give us all kinds of choices. Yeah. And there are consequences and bonuses to focus on one and not the, and not the other. Right. But you don't just you don't ex, you know one thing you don't explain. Okay, well now this now that, you, now that you've chosen this path, here's what you missed out on. Yeah. You wait and you know and you know keep that stored away to bring out another time. Yeah. But what you know you keep us involved and keep it moving. Yeah. Um, I mean that's the thing because I I mean there I do love seeing you guys argue with each other about like should we do this or should we do that or blah 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 but. I, I, I don't let it go. All right, this is this is not make a decision, you know. So, but um, yeah, and most of the time for the last four years, I've mostly run games for a two to three person group. Yeah, you know, and we're so used to each other that right, you know, yeah, what what's going to happen? What's not? Yeah, and you know, we can pretty much I can pretty much get away with. Yeah, like um, running those con games was very interesting because we got a, I got a wide variety of players, you know, like and like, I, I think. I actually think that keeps you keeps the GM on his toes. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you know your group so well that you know you can predict how they're going to act. Yeah. It you know they're you it, it gets pretty it gets predictable for you. But if you got a, players that you know that could, you know you don't know much about could go either way. Yeah, I think I think that's if you want to be a good game master, I, I recommend you start gaming. Uh, at demo at uh, game stores or uh, run games at conventions. Like you got a four-hour time frame, you got to run a specific scenario. You don't know who you're gonna get. Exactly, and uh, I, I had the wide range of players. I had a lot of people who had no idea what the rules are, so I had to spend 20 minutes explaining the basics. Um, then I had very experienced players who knew exactly what I was doing. Like uh, when I ran a Delta Green game, I'd based it on a previous one. He's like, oh, I ran that for my group. And so he knew exactly. When I said McAllister Bill, he's like, oh, my God, we're screwed. And that was kind of great in its own way. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I had players who were like, I want to kill the bad guy we just captured. But you're, you're a superhero. But- you know, yeah. why, why would you do that? I want to go kill stuff. You know, I, I had the whole gamut yeah. is what I'm saying. And, and uh, that's why I'm glad I'm running this campaign now yeah. for a group of five people that yeah. it's making me realize I've been, a, I've been kind of complacent the last few years yeah. running stuff. Primar- yeah. Yeah. It, it seemed like you were running it. Like you, you give us the NPC, like the dinosaur or whatever, and just like, all right, okay, we'll, we'll talk. And, uh, it's, and it's, it's honestly, I, I'm learning more, you know, more just by doing this. Yeah. Like I guess you assume your your old group would just like sit and talk to the dinosaur. Oh, for, a for they do it. They could do that for hours. Really? They they. I mean, they not liked. even do anything. Just, just no. They they could we we could I I could if I put an interesting PC out there for the group, I almost always run with. Yeah. Two hours. I could have a two hour conversation just between them. Mm-hmm. And that and that NPC. Well, what would come of that conversation? Would it, would it literally just be like, "Oh, hey, what's going on?" No, uh, you know, I, I I would bring up the plot points, and we would would we would eventually get it back into the plot. Right, right. But they they so love the interaction that that's what I and I've been that's the group I've running. That's the group I ran the Gargoyles game with for three years. Right. That's the one I've run. I've run games with since two like two thousand. Right. And it's it's now and the one shots were a bit different because I was just a one shot, so I had everything ready and right, right, prepared. right. Now I'm running a campaign. I'm finding it's a completely different set of yeah, um, set of things. So yeah, it is it is it does seem like these uh, the 
I can see that now from as being a player in your game that you would have these um, NPCs and they're like, all right, we, we talked to them. I mean, we weren't like ignoring them. We weren't like, ah, kill, kill, kill or whatever. No, you weren't. But, but we're like, all right, okay, come on, let's go. Let's go do stuff. And yeah, like, and it's on it, it threw my ass for a loop and it's been a long time since that's happened. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for it, actually. <laughs> that's right. We're good. Because, yeah. you know, actually, in the biggest, you know, I think that one of the biggest threats to pacing is complacency. Yeah. Like you get stuck in a routine and then that, that's And that. then, you know, then the moment your routine is broken, you're, oh shit. And, so I would recommend for GMs to go to a gaming convention, play in some convention games, run some convention games with totally different people, and uh, then sort of go back and then run something different for your own group. That would help shock you out of your complacency, I think. And that's the last two sessions have been very useful for me. But you know, I, I think overall, when in doubt, your game is too slow. Speed it up. Yeah, speed that shit up. Unless unless you, you're saving the world, blowing up the world, and uh, reanimating the world all within the same hour, I think you're going to. <laughs> like, it's like you're turning the world to shit, eating the shit, and shitting out the shit, and reading that shit you yeah. just shat out. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom. Uh, fair enough. So, um, with that being said, I think I think I, I, unless you had something else to say. About no, I think. Um... Look for those. Look for these those campaigns and uh, the actual play right. forms, and they come out. Well, we of course It'd we have great. Tom now does have a letter. I yeah, think. well, as you know, I've, as I will say, I normally don't do one for our pre and post GenCon show. Well, we already did the post GenCon. I know. Show. Yeah, I, so. I normally don't. I don't do a letter right, for right. those two. So, so now we're, we're now on the normal routine. We're back in the normal routine. So you're so gonna have the letters. It's it's there. Yeah. The uh, letter course, is next. We, we do have uh, and, and shout outs um, and uh, anecdotes. And also, favorite, I'll uh, just mention the forum thread now uh, RPPR New World Campaign cover preview. So you can take a look and see what the cover is going to look like. Yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back. It's that time again. Both the pre- and post-Gen Con shows are completed, and the time for a new episode comes running up and punches me in the nutsack. I usually don't do a letter for those two shows, as we are simply discussing what we are going to do, and then what we did at Con. But now that time is over, and a new letter must come. It is a ritual that is always the same, yet sneaks up on me every time. It begins by Ross telling me, in that effeminate yet non-sexual way of his, that we must record another episode soon, I had better have a letter written, lest I invoke his infernal wrath. The words are easily deflected off my Teflon-coated brain, which is all but impervious to the intake of knowledge. I just grunt and mumble, giving the bare minimum response dictated by the social contract. Days go by until the day of the recording comes. Then, like a half-forgotten memory through a cracked mirror of regret, I remember that I must write the letter. Well, shit. What do I write about? Gaming stuff, ideally. So I look to my bookshelf, stuffed with thick with RPG books collected over a lifetime, looking for inspiration. Alas, nothing comes. All that enters my consciousness is the fact that I have reams of gaming delight, yet none of them can be enjoyed without other people. I am well aware that should I try to derive pleasure from them, an asteroid will collide with the Earth, wiping out every sub-microscopic trace of life. I will survive, of course, because fate has had its eternal prick of fiery doom up my ass since birth. There I will be, sitting on a mountain of RPG delight of some kind of nerd creosis, and none will be around to make any of it matter. 
Well, perhaps I will go to the window and daydream, letting inspiration rise from my deep subconscious. No, nothing helping there either. I look outside and see the entire world passing me by, making me envious and apathetic at the same time. Look at them. Children playing, deriving sheer joy from the simple act of throwing a rubber ball back and forth. A songbird lands lightly on a branch, suffused with the freeing power of flight. An insect crawls across the windowsill, filling me with envy of the instinctive single-mindedness of the insect mind. And here I am, trying to write a letter, watching joy in the world that I will never know. Indeed, the children stop throwing the ball as if sensing they are being observed by one who does not belong. They gaze up at me, their eyes boring into my soul. They say, you are not one of us. Leave this place of light and happiness for the darkness and misery that is your existence. So I do. I begin to wonder now, where will I find inspiration? This letter must be written, yet nothing seems to be able to penetrate the thick layer of regret that closes around my being. I can think of nothing but the inexorable flood of lost joy and happiness that used to exist. I think of the Piccadilly cafeteria that I used to love, closed now for nearly a decade. How I used to love the atmosphere, the hush puppies the size of a horse testicle, the old people that made me feel even younger than I truly was. Is there nothing that can give me inspiration to pen this letter that my dear friend Ross has entrusted me to complete? Will I let him down as well as all of the RPPR fans that enjoy them? Then it comes to me, like a piercing ray of light through the darkness and misery of sadness. It is all-encompassing, filling me with a feeling of joy and accomplishment that makes every wrong in my life vanish, like the spores of a dandelion in a tornado. I have my inspiration. Swearing and saying fuck. So here's the final message of this now-inspired letter. Ross, here's my motherfucking letter. It's done, but don't think for a damn minute that it's because of you. I wrote it for the listeners of RPPR who love to hear me say fuck, cunt, shitballs, and every other piece of toilet poetry that flows out of my mouth like verbal diarrhea. Oh, and come shitter. Always the uh, class act. I try to be. I feel so. Just your your struggle is so. Uh, Did it, was poetic. it inspiring to you? Yes, inspiring. That's that's the word I'll use. Uh, and yeah. not uh, sickening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You chose me as your friend. You know? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm too late now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I guess now we do the shout-outs. So. And uh, I have but one. Well, let me go first. Fine, here, why don't I, you just go first? I will go first. Um, my first one will actually be uh, something I wanted to review. Um, the This will be so the RPPR review. Um, this is uh, from uh, our friends at Alpha Omega, the uh, the RPG which you remember I've interviewed the people behind it. It's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy kind of RPG. Angels, demons, alpha, in, you know, good magic, bad magic. Um, that's with really good art. Anyways, they uh, they sent us the the encountered a monster manual, and it's got all these crazy ass monsters, abominations, tech fiends. The artwork and, is crazy cool. It is. It is. Uh, we're looking at it right now. Damned conscriptor. 
Legion Bone Wielder and uh, Legion Executioner and uh, just every all... single page is aw- of artwork is awesome in this. It is. It really is, isn't it? Uh, I flipped through this several times. Yeah. Actually, uh, I read most of it, and even though I haven't played Alpha Omega, I've read the rules, and um, it's you know again a very crunchy system, and um, I would. Definitely recommend it to anybody who uh, is playing Alpha Omega. I mean, it should be a no-brainer if you're already a player in Alpha Omega. But, um, you know, when I think of this, I actually think of back to the Book of Unremitting Horror. Do you remember that, Tom? I remember that. Yeah, and it's, you know, got all these great months, and it, we recommend it even if you didn't have Gumshoe. And this is, I wouldn't say is as strong a recommend as, say, Book of Unremitting Horror, but if you're playing a post-apocalyptic game... Um, I'd give this a look if you have it in your friendly local game store because there's a lot of good monsters in it that could be used for a lot of different post-apocalyptic or, you know, extreme sci-fi or fantasy games. Um, They... A lot of them are. There's a lot of neat ideas in them. I think there was one called the Learny, the Learner, which is a, a swarm of nano machines that possesses other machines, and then they're, they're trying to do something. They, have, they each have their own little obsessive quest or task, and so they could be anything. So it's a very cool idea. It could be a whole adventure in itself. And there's like a good number of monsters in here that are each like that, and uh, so it's very cool. But it's not. I wouldn't recommend it. It's a must-have for any sort of post-apocalyptic game because, like, there are a lot of monsters in here that are like, this is an ultimate predator. It kills through this kind of weird-ass way. I mean, it does have, like, actual spider monkeys. Like, like actual, like, spider-monkey hybrids. Yes. Yeah, yeah which we... is like, oh, man, fuck that thing. Kill it with fire. Um, but <laughs> That's Ross's uh, knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, here it is. Stalker monkey. Freak of nature. Yes, it's a monkey with eight legs and, you know, fangs. So, fuck that thing. It will eat you. Yeah, fuck that thing. Seriously. If I was, like, a character in that game, I'd be like, kill it with fire. But um, there's just a lot of... My my biggest complaint is there there are a lot of monsters in here that sort of... They they exist solely to be killed by player characters. I mean, they're like crazy-ass monsters that do this, and they kill people through this way, and predators that do this kill people this way. So, But that's a minor complaint. I mean, like, if you're playing Alpha Omega, you should get this. I mean, it's like freaking awesome um i kind of just wish they had the easy way to convert it to other systems i mean it, you could obviously convert these ideas into other monsters easily other systems pretty easily but like um i've so i'd give it a look through if you if you don't have alpha omega um but yeah there's a lot of cool ideas in here and a lot of different crazy ass monsters like again those fucking th- spider monkeys that you know need to die and demons and demons yeah Everyone so, knows demons. Yeah. So that's my first shout out is this. Um it's also a very beautiful, very you know, full color kind of book. Um so um yeah. Every pay every time I open this book I seem to find something I've never seen before. So and I've read most of this, so it's weird. I don't know. Anyway, Fair so enough. Tom. My only one is actually is a movie. Ross has seen this, of course, called okay. The Devil's Tomb. I'm going to first going to say it is a god awful movie. I, but it, it will have a special place in my heart for all of eternity. And why is that, Tom? Because, Hen- because when we saw Henry Rollins live in St. Louis, Ross was there. Yeah. He specifically talked about making this movie. Yes. And it was it was hilarious as shit. Yeah. And I I vowed that when this came out I would watch it. Yeah. And I wa- I rented it only for that reason, and it's truly horrible. 
but it's got Henry Rollins in it. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. He is like he has no normal dialogue in this movie. He is only deadly serious the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a piece of crap. This got somehow they got Cuba Gooding Jr. in it. No, it's well, they the actors gotta eat, man. But it Hey I, man, Jeremy Irons has been in worse movies. Yeah, I know. Um, he was in Dungeons and Dragons, the movie, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was. And Ben Kingsley was in Uva Bowl's Blood Rain. Yeah. So. But it's it's because I remember because Henry Rollins in the you good actor when, he was, when in Henry Rollins movies, in Henry Rollins act times, when he was yeah. talking about it, you said Cuba Gooding Jr. Didn't you win an Academy Award? What are you doing here? Yeah. Exactly. And it's so. an awful movie, shitty plot, horrible effects. But it has Henry Rollins. But it has Henry Rollins, and we heard him talk about it. So buy it and rub it all over yourself. That's right, because Henry Rollins' awesomeness cannot be quantified in numbers. <laughs> oh man, I can't. I'm I'm just waiting for the restraining order. Uh, he lives in California, and uh, yeah. he lives in Los Angeles. That's a little far to go stalking. Well, all right, yeah, sure, okay, whatever you say. I'm a, I'm a stalker on a budget, okay? Oh, I see, I see. I can only troll and look for interviews and anyway, shit. Anyway, okay, well, you're done, aren't you? That's well, you 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 watched the movie, it is a piece of crap. Yeah, no, it? it is a B-movie piece of crap. Generic, forgettable, DVD, straight-to-DVD kind of horror well, Frozen demons. <laughs> it's not ice, that is the wrath of God! <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, I even have to—I have to actually—I have to give a shout out to Aaron. He made a really funny joke on that. Okay. That said, well, so you can actually, you know, chip off a piece of the wrath of God and you know put it in a drink. Yeah. And we look. It was. I guess you had to have been there, but yeah, we chuckled. Yeah. yeah. Good it, job. Chuckle worthy. All right. Uh, next up, I have the Kerberos Club and this favored land. These are new books out from Arc Dream, my publisher. Arc Dreams, baby. Arc Dream, actually. I, apparently, I've been misprint. I've been missaying it all this time, and I'm. Horrible I'm sure if monster. you type it in, you're still gonna get their stuff on the. Yeah. On, so on uh, Kerberos Club is uh, by Ben Abo, the author of Monsters and Other Childish Things, and it's a Wild Talents, a, which is a uh, one roll engine superheroes game. Anyway, it's a Victorian era, 19th century London superhero setting uh where you're playing characters you know league of extraordinary gentlemen kind of things you can be steampunk auto mechanical uh inventors or you can be you know mystics or uh fairy people or any 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 vampires yeah yeah. vampires uh actually vampires are are like syphilis it's like uh it's it's syphilitic vampires so that's uh, (laughs) yeah exactly uh there's just tons and tons of great ideas in it like uh they have uh, what's the name of the famous asylum in uh, Bedlam? Bedlam like has a mystic artifact that shuts down superpowers. So they put all the crazy superpower people in there, and like if he's a crazy inventor, they'll just break his hands, and like it's very hard to get in or out. And they're like, ah, we're Bedlam, and so it's like a very, fear us exactly. And um, there's there's just all kinds of I mean, oh, they made the Confederacy like a Cthulhu worshiping like evil empire. So, um, <laughs> fucking Jefferson Davis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if you're at all interested in steampunk, Victorian era, anything, um, or a great setting for superheroes, I would definitely recommend it. The stuff is it's mostly fluff, so you could easily, easily convert it to mutants and masterminds. So, yeah. um, Wild Talents though is only ten bucks, so you could get that if you're into one roll engine, which I am. But anyway, um. This favorite land is Civil War era superheroes. So you could be on the north or south, and the south does not worship Cthulhu in this version. That's too bad. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, uh, but it's uh, kind of you know being a, 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 a super powered character fighting on either side. Um, 
so it gets into spiritualism and religion and all kinds of uh, uh, things like that. So uh, it's again very very. You could also run a straight up civil war game with this, like with the the amount of rules they put forth. You could be like just if you want to ro- roll up, do an adventure in the civil war. This would be the this the book to do it. So um, it's very cool. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then I would like to mention uh, Dead Man's Shoes, a movie directed by Shane Meadows, two thousand four UK thriller. Um, very, very excellent, very dark movie about a soldier comes back to this small town to get revenge on these people, these small town gangsters and drug dealers who have been tormenting his uh, mentally challenged brother. I don't do that to a commando. Yeah, yeah, he's a SAS guy. So, uh, he, it is a, a very freaky, very, very dark movie about, you know, the worst of the worst in small town UK and uh, a crazy soldier. So, uh, yeah. But it has a nice happy fairy fairy tale ending. Whatever you say, Tom. Exactly. There, there will be rabbits there, Tom. Uh, Talking rabbits. Exactly. Um, then, uh, finally, two TV shows. Um, I've just been like, oh my god, media. Uh, what a Shark Tank, which is a reality show on ABC, but it's like, Five ultra-rich people listening to these uh, small business owners pitch their business ideas to them. And what I like about it is it's, it's just basically what a haggle extended skill challenge looks like. It's like, okay, uh, for $500,000, I give you 10% of my business. Well, how about, well, your idea isn't that good. How about this? You know, or how about this? Or how about the blah, 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 And they go back and forth. So if you want to get an idea of what bargaining or haggling is really Since like. Since it's a dead art in America. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's why I like, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it is a dead art in America, and this is like sort of bringing, or you know, like this is what it's like in the real world. School of hard knocks, you know. Yeah, it's like if you're going to the Bakara Arms Market in, in Mogadishu, Somalia, you're not. They're not going to have just listed prices. Exactly. Thank you, Tom. So if you're I, running, I, if yeah, I you, watched uh, Black Hawk Down again. <laughs> but yeah, you don't. Uh, I think we just assaulted a, a Somalian town recently. Uh, uh, the Marines went in there too, but but Al Qaeda, you know. Al Qaeda. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and but yeah. You, yeah, there's no uh, price tags on shit. Yeah, it's pretty much like it's like yo, I'm interested in that gun. They give you a price. You give them another price. Yeah, exactly. And they say you insult me, but I will offer this and back and forth until finally you come to an agreement. Yeah. So if you're a game master and you want to do that kind of thing, watch Shark Tank. It's on Hulu. I'll link to the Hulu uh, show so you can watch the whole thing on Hulu. Or just watch clips of it, and so you can get like, oh, okay, so that's that's a good way to do this, and you could totally do like a skill challenge, like where you're like the nobles, like the kings or the the, the five nobles or whatever, or like, oh, well, what about this? Oh, and then like the, the sharks will bid against each other, like if they're like, oh, well, you'll offer them eighty thousand dollars, but you'll take fifty one percent of their business. Well, I'll give you one hundred twenty thousand dollars and fifty percent of the business, because I don't like you. You're being an asshole, and then, so it's great with the rich guys. Uh. Especially fine. when you mix egos in the equation. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, and then finally, hoarders, which is an A and E show about people who are hoarders. Uh, it's a uh, like obsessive, clinically, yeah, like obsessive compulsive. And I've only watched one episode of it, but it's basically like, oh wow, insanity, madness, and horror. I mean, it's like this is I basically the next time I run a modern horror game, there's going to be a hoarder, Tom, and it's going to be fucking awful. I mean, it's just going to be like horrific. I'm going to make it terrifying because the one they had this cat woman in new mexico so already you you, you heard a rattlesnake sound you know signifying mm. something bad's about to happen yeah and you know he 
she she thought she had 20 cats because that's how many she saw then the animal control people came in they started you know basically clean clearing her house out i mean it was just horrific and they kept finding they found i think are over 80 cats in her house and 40 of them were dead like skeletons you know because it was so hot they just mummified and i mean they'd like one cat that was in found dead in a box and because of the shape of the box it'd become like a box shaped dead cat <laughs> and i know this is utterly horrific i know there's a lot of cat lovers out there and be like oh. me, me included yeah but like for me i mean they're helping the woman and they saved all the living cats you know except the ones they had to put down because they were so sick but like you know they they got they made they they ended the health hazard so it does have a happy ending and uh, in that case, you know, or as least tragic ending as possible, because she didn't go to jail. They decided that they took mercy on her, basically. And but, but she's she'll be under supervision. I would yeah. Think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she only she's only allowed to keep three cats instead. It's of, it's it's not that she did because she was cruel. No, she she was she, crazy. No, she was trying to help the cats because people would like leave them behind, and she just yeah, she, it was like it's an addiction. You know, it's like an it, it is an addiction, and you you lose track of them. And so, if you want to run modern horror, like start watching this to get a to help describe what you could do for you know, like you're going through the cultist den, and you could just describe some hoarder's little lair, you know, with every you know foot pile of trash and everything, or you know these mummified skeletons. And if you touch, he will kill you. Yeah, exactly, and um, and just the just the sheer way people rationalize and uh, uh, become codependent on each other and how they justify and how they, you know, let their own family members get this bad. I mean, it's it's very fascinating. And so that's, that's it's, it's if you want to get a darker side sort of like of madness in, you know, running modern horror, I, I would recommend it. So yeah, if the, if the, you know, the padded cells and the straight jackets don't do it for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you call that insane. well, they they tried to help him in the show. I mean, they well, like yeah. clean him out, get a therapist, and all that other stuff. So, yeah, but it, it there's some less creepy ones too. Oh, have you seen the show too? No, I you tried like a guy like the wine bottles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was still pretty horrific because like, um, well, the situation itself. No, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, because he was like su- the the actual hoarder was suicidal, and his dad was like a really bad alcoholic. So yeah, pretty dark show. So. Anyway, we should get on to anecdotes. Why don't we? All right. Um, first off, why don't we do the internet one, which uh, pull up just now. All right. Um, so, anyways, here is a the story from one of our listeners. Uh, you, well, he doesn't leave his name. So, you, uh, Genis, I think at AIM. Uh, anyways, here's to hoping me and my party members are stupid enough to get on the podcast. Well, you are. Uh, uh, not in a bad way, though. Um, about five months ago, we were playing AD&D. I was a wizard, my friend a priest, and the other two warrior types. We had gone to the island of Pern, which our GM had remade as Metallic versus Chromatic Dragon armies. We were in a very large battle, and our side, Metallic, was uh, losing. The wizard in charge of the, this battle came to us and said we needed to eliminate one of the enemy dragons, which was harassing our platoon. So, uh, let's see here. A Being a 13th level wizard, I thought our priest and I would simply dimension and door on the back of the dragon when he flew by a strafing attack and used the reverse of a heal spell, which is a harm spell, reducing 1t4 hit points. We knew that the dimension door spell uh, required one round of recovery time after casting, meaning that neither of us could take an action that round. But we figured the priest would take damage 
the Dragon Rider dished out. Little did we expect our GM hit us with. The dragon pulled a Star Fox and simply did a barrel roll. <laughs> and my friend and I lodged complaints, but to no avail. This dragon took full opportunity of its inclined speed and dropped us before we had time to recover. I took a whopping 136 points of damage with only about 60 hit points left when I had cast the spell. Uh, needless to say, we lost the battle and had to retreat. Then a few late few turns later my friend had raised me in mid-battle we retreated into a narrow pass and cast anti-magic shell on myself to stop the peril breath weapon aimed at the uh, retreating soldiers retreating soldiers thinking i was unhurtable i told the gm i took every opportunity to put myself between our troops and the fire and the gm got smart the dragon simply landed killed me with a crit claw and bite attack and got driven away by the party i got killed twice in under an hour of real time and um I recognize this because uh, uh, the, the the email address because that's the same one as, um, and I want to apologize to this guy. I don't I don't I don't know his real name, but uh, he posted a thread in our forums called D and D drugs, and mm-hmm. he basically posted this one sentence thing saying, um, "What are the I'm wanting to make weed for D twenty rules? Well, how do I price it or something like that?" And I just it's late at night, so I just think this is hilarious. So. <laughs> I just go smoke healing potions 420 every day, and uh, I actually did searches for that, and I found out there was a D20 race of can uh, um, humanoid cannabis plants <laughs> of course. that look like Swamp Thing, and um, that apparently there are rules for weed in the Book of Vile Darkness because weed is so vile and dark. Obviously, that's why it's still illegal. It is reefer madness. Reefer madness. Who's net? What children? Yours or yours? Exactly, and. I feel bad because I, I don't want to feel like the guy, I you know, he hasn't posted since. I don't want to feel like I was calling him out or making fun of him. I just thought the thread, just that was hilarious. And please don't take any offense at that. I, I'm sorry if I, uh, you know, made you feel bad or whatever. Because it, it, you have to admit that was funny. I yes. mean, and you shouldn't take anything on the internet seriously. So please, so I'm sorry that I, I may have, you know called undo attention to you or whatever i i, I was just having like fun with it now yeah and i'm an i'm a jerk and a douche and i'm just you know um yeah so i'm sorry i'm just being i'm just a big mean ross beat. is an artist you know how they are i know we're horrible we're we, horrible degenerates we are well artists are you're not an artist See, there's me being a jerk again. I can't help it. I can't help it i'm just uh i'm just a horrible horrible man aren't i Hey, I'm a writer. Just because I'm not published doesn't make me doesn't make you better than me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I have one other anecdote to anecdote too. Um, so, anyways, at Dragon Con, I actually got to play monsters and other childish things. Well, holy Jesus! And this was a game run by Ben Both, a guy who actually wrote the fucking game. So, so it's safe to say he knew the knew the game. He knew the game, and he ran a really badass game. It was in Candlewick Manor, um, and this is the same game he's run at every con. Uh, he's run very seven different. He's run it over seven times. He's run it seven times at least, and um, every time very different reactions. And uh, I'm trying to get him to write up all the, the things. So hopefully next episode we'll have a write up of all the different variants. So like every time, um, it's like the first night of these uh, kids going into the manor, you know, being orphans. And I play uh, one of the pregens, HP uh, Pogue, who is a little kid with crayons, and when he draws things, they come to life. You know, he can draw a chair and then sit in the chair or whatever else. So 
Anyways, we're in our rooms. We're in the absolute worst condition part of the manor, the one that's falling apart, very dilapidated. We need to use a toilet. The toilet's fallen through the floor, so there's just a big hole in the bathroom. There's a big hole in the ceiling. Something crashed through the ceiling, through the attic, destroyed our toilet, and went on through kept the... Kept going. Yeah, kept going. And on top of it all, top it all off, there are all these snakes uh, in the hallway outside, and they're coming in. And so we're like, oh, my God, what's going on? What are we going to do? Some of the kids climb down the hole to see what the room is down there. And they find a body and a dead body. And, you know, whoa. But anyway, oh my God. I haven't done that yet. So what I do is I decide that snakes are very dangerous and, you know, we must stay away from them. So uh, what is the natural enemy of the snake? Mongoose. Mongoose, exactly. So I, uh, my ability can be used as an attack. So I use an attack ability by drawing a bunch of mongooses and having mongoose, mongooses, mongooses, to attack the snakes. So now there's this huge climactic battle between mongoose and snake, uh, and you know chaos. And they're like, oh my god, there's this is just overwhelming the entire room. You know, so I say, I need to get all this away from me. Aha, you know what I'll do? I'll draw a bunch of lemmings to rush towards the hole so they can, you know, fulfill their racial species uh, <laughs> to suicide uh, instincts. Yeah. And they'll, they'll take sweep everything off with them. And, uh, they do. And so the players who went climbed down in there were pelted. Got, with, got a nasty surprise. Yeah. With a, a rain of dead, uh, mongoose, snake and lemming, um, all over the place. Just like my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, uh, quite the. Uh, I made Ben himself. You, you, I, I recorded the full game too. So. so there was some hijinks. There were. It was quite fun. It was quite hysterical, even. So, uh, yeah, that those are. I of course other crazy things happening. I ran Delta Green, a uh, five same scenario five times set in the Carcosa. Um, very, but we don't know it's there. Yeah, we don't know it's there. It's called Night Mall. Um, I'll I'll have more of that in the net future episodes because that that you know we're, it's getting to be October soon, so we'll do some more ho- horror stuff. Oh shit! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The so, shit will get real. Yeah, it will. So, um, but I think that that that's about it. Unless I think that, that covers it. Yeah. So, uh, well, this has been episode thirty-seven of Rural Blame Public Radio, and this is oh uh, uh, well uh, the one one last thing I will say. Yeah, I am. Aaron had Aaron has run his first game in seven years. Yeah, and I'm just going to say that this is going to be an ongoing thing for me. Yeah, of I think he has he has potential, but he has severe confidence issues. Yeah. So for the next for the next few weeks at least, I'm gonna I'm trying to work on building up his confidence. Okay. Well, I mean, once we get that actual play thing up, we'll have a new episode every week. Uh, so we will but, need to feed the beast. But I, I will say that I actually we at, I attempted to record the last game he ran yesterday. Yeah. As soon as I turned the recorder on, he wasn't addressing the players. He was addressing the recorder. <laughs> he was saying, "Okay, the play. Okay, the players are were doing this. Uh, the players see this." Um, you see that the players see it this thing the lotion in the basket or it gets the and hose I again. had to stop it and Tell I told him and he, bad Aaron and he actually oh my god I was doing that wasn't I <laughs> so he's not quite ready for the recorder not 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 ready for prime time no that's my that's my current project all right which unfortunately I can it's only like pygmalion but with greasy nerds yeah and I can only deliver unto you the verbal 
uh, information of what's going on there. Okay. I will continue to do so. Yeah. I will talk of his progress, if, okay. he, if any is made. If any. If any is made. I will keep a clipboard and wear a lab coat for this, exactly. so it looks all official. All right. All right. Well, cool. Um, so anyway, that, that wraps up this episode of Role Playing Public Radio. It does. This, uh, episode 37, Set the Pace, and this is Ross Payton here with Role Playing Public Radio, Slag Design Ah, uh, there's the catharsis voice right there. Yeah. All right. And I'm Tom Church, also saying goodbye.